it's nine o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. It's whatever time it is in your time zone. I'm not really sure. And uh, we're glad that you're tuning in. We're glad that you're here, whether you're tuning in on Zoom or Instagram Live or you're watching later on YouTube Live or SoundCloud. We're super, super glad that you're listening. This is the Prayer Revolution. And Beer Budger and I, we were starting a revolution. That's what we decided. We just, you know, we got tired and bored with our lives and we just decided, hey, let's, let's do something fun. So we decided to start a revolution, and uh, it's a revolution that's been going on for quite some time. Uh, some of us just are aware of it, and some aren't. But um, there's so many changes that 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 we see, we look at, we want to have done in the world, whether it's in politics, and government, and finance, and in in the economy, and the environment, etc. But there's a missing link in all of it, and it's uh, it's spiritual guidance. It really is spiritual guidance. Um, it was Einstein who mentioned that. No consciousness can save the can can solve the same problem that it created, and so um, we want to bring in a mood of spirituality into our everyday lives and um, bring the mood of prayer into how we live our lives, and that looks like a moment to moment connection uh, with the divine higher power, with the soul within our heart, um, and sometimes it's hard to do that because um, there's so much stigma around the words uh, spirituality, or around the word God, or around the word prayer even. Um, and so sometimes we think of prayer as, you know, like our grandmothers on Sunday afternoon, or like a little church family just kind of, you know, praying together. And, and that may, may, may invoke positive or negative emotions for some of us. Um, but actually, um, I pray, and I'm proud of it. I'm not proud, I'm a prayer, I'm a prayer-er. And um, I think that most of us would do better to add a little bit of prayer into our life, not to get what we want. Prayer is not a lucky rabbit's foot. It's not a way of twisting God's arm. It's not a business transaction, but it's a way of throwing up my hands and surrendering. I can't figure this out. I don't understand what's happening here. Please give me divine eyes. Please give me divine perspective. Please give me courage to respond the way you would have me respond, my Lord. Please allow me to approach this. Even if I'm approaching it with the same way I always would, let me approach it from a place of non-enviousness, of non-pride. You ever done, ever, ever, you've ever seen me do this fear into a situation where I may be right, but I'm just, I'm bringing a charge, you know? And it's like, I don't want to hear it because you're just, you're so filled with, whether it's ego or pride or anger or there's some personal hangup going on. And if that's the case, then even if we're right, it doesn't come across the same way. So my dear Lord, please help me just wash all of that away and enter in a detached mood with full enthusiasm, but enter into it with a detached mood the way you would have me do it. That's the prayer revolution. And that's, uh, that's what we're doing. And we're glad that you guys are joining us for the ride. Um, what we do every day is Beer Budger leads us in a morning prayer. And then, um, and then we have a conversation for the ensuing 25 minutes that are remaining. And, um, and we, we try to take some inspiration from that. How does that sound? Sounds good to me. How's it sound, Zoomers? How's it sound, Zoomers? Good. If you accidentally yeah, walked let's... into the wrong Zoom chat room, you're welcome to exit right now. We won't be embarrassed. But otherwise, stick around for the ride, and we're ready to launch. Okay. Thank you, DG, for welcoming us and, and setting the mood. I'm going to share a little, I wrote a little something today, so I'm going to read it. And uh, those of us that are familiar with prayer, you know what we're about to jump into. And those of us that haven't prayed with us yet, um, just find a, a comfortable seat. Find a pause in your, your, your day, night, morning, wherever you are. Find a pause 
and close your eyes. And you can bring your palms to your heart if that resonates with you and get into a space of receiving. And what we're doing is non-sectarian. It is uh, beyond all boundaries of body, of mental conditioning. It's beyond space and time that we are, we're practicing communicating with our higher power. It's a practice of communicating with our higher power and connecting our individual soul and consciousness to our divine source, our supreme absolute truth. And so in that space of receiving grace, I'm going to share this as a little, a little mix of a few different prayers and uh, let's see how it flows. In that mood of receiving these words, calling in uh, your own intention for what it is you're seeking to receive in this time. We must all be willing to let go of the life we had planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. My dear Lord, my mind has taken the driver's seat of my life. The happiness and distress I experience are just products of living on the mental plane. Please help me to fix my mind on you and all that I do. Ever-increasing bliss is the nature of our souls. And when we reconnect to you, making you the center of our consciousness in all situations, we experience the fearlessness, illuminating, blissful nature of our soul. Please help me to bring my mind into divine union, dance with you in all that I do, knowing it isn't the particular things we do that bring fulfillment but rather doing them in remembrance of you as an offering to you that brings the deep spiritual fulfillment that we're seeking. Let our minds be linked with you always and may our souls shine through more today than they ever have before. And hearing these divine names of our Lord, let us come closer and closer to you. As we chant the Maha Mantra today that knowing that we are in a divine dance with the Lord, that we may not feel that, our mind may not perceive that, but that's the reality under the surface. That's the reality that's taking place deep down, and it takes us to dig a little bit deeper. It takes us to, with our sincerity, to want that connection a little bit more, and we start to see it, and we start to feel it. And so as we chant the Maha Mantra today, really giving our full attention, giving our full ears and hearts to these sacred names, knowing that we're beginning to dance. We're getting in that movement and that rhythm with our higher power as a part of our life, with our higher power as a guiding force with us every moment of our existence. And let's chant with that sincerity. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, so beautiful, Vera. Thank you. What were those, what were those first lines that you read? First two lines? The first, the first line, two lines I read were from, are from Joseph Campbell. Yeah. And uh, we must be willing to let go of the life we had planned so as to have the life that is waiting for us. 
let go of the life that is planned. I mean, isn't that 2020 in a nutshell, right? <laughs> I, was, I was just messaging a friend yesterday because um, I was supposed to go to, you know, we all, we, many of us had travel plans that just get canceled. Um, and um, I'm, I'm supposed to go to Europe in the summer because um, my friend Kishore Chandra and I, we have a, a Italy retreat plan that we're leading. And, you know, we still haven't called it, but, you know, it's likely not going to, not going to happen and, uh, um, or it might happen. And I was also supposed to go to Switzerland to do some programs with a friend and visit some friends there. So I messaged them and to be like, Hey, is this still happening or not? And they're like, we're not sure, et cetera. And then at a certain point, somebody just said in the chat board, like 2020 is a wash. You know, they're just like 2020 is a wash. Like, and, and then she said with a sad emoji face, like I had so many, I had so many, so many things planned this year. You know, I had so many things planned this year. And my initial response was, again, I was ready to say, well, that's just the material world in a nutshell, blah, 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 and get all philosophy. And I was like, no, give her some space. Let her, let her lament, let her like grieve the loss. But in my mind, I was just thinking like, yeah, that's, that's so, that's just life in a nutshell. I had so many things planned this year, this month, this week, this decade, this life, this season. So many things planned. And it's kind of like life is a continuous process of just kind of grinding those plans into dust sometimes and allowing us to, and we can either, I think that pain comes from, from except, you know, Richard Rohr, we read from this book, Falling Upward sometimes. He said that, um, you know, there's this sayings that pain is, is mandatory, but suffering is optional. He said that pain is some sort of sense of mental, physical, or emotional discomfort. Like that's pain. He said, suffering is when I associate a sense of injustice to that pain. That this shouldn't be, it should be different. And so I think that, um, you know, when I have these plans, this life that I, that I, that I thought I should think I should have, and it's not working out, but I hold on to it because I think this is what it's supposed to be then I just, I kind of go down with the ship, you know, and I suffer with it as opposed mm -hmm. to like letting go and realizing like, oh, if I can detach myself from that and, and let go of the sense of injustice, that this is wrong and why is this happening? Like, oh, like there's, I can ask why is this happening in a sense of resentment and anger and frustration, or I can ask why is this happening in a mood of curiosity and trust and surrender? Mm -hmm. So I was just thinking that somebody just told me yesterday, I was like 2020 is a wash. <laughs> she just was like, forget it. Like, you know, there was another, I'll just end it. There's another funny meme that she sent me. Um, is like some, somebody said like, you know, a time traveler uh, appeared the other day and they said, what year is it? And I said, 2020. And he said, oh, the first year of quarantine. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. But, um, and so it's, you know, we don't exactly know, but it's like letting, letting things go. And like, let, I was thinking of that as you're saying, letting go of the life I think I should have so that I could await the life that I do have. That is waiting for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and to be in that, that consciousness, I love you're talking about like the difference of like being attached or being curious, you know, you know, being attached to like a specific outcome. Cause mm -hmm. I really, really am like, this is happiness. This is fulfillment. This is the way, you know, and, and we get attached to it and, and it becomes a, the source of misery and becomes a source of our suffering. And, and yeah. that, you know, to be, to be able to maintain curiosity, I'm, I'm reading this book right now. That's it's really, you know, 
I couldn't put it down. I was exhausted last night. It was like, it wasn't even that late, but I was just tired. And, uh, and I started to, um, and then, so I, you know, I brushed my teeth, got ready, sat down on the couch. And I was like, okay, you know, let me, I'll read a couple pages. And, you know, I've heard so much about this book over the years. I've never read it. And, and, uh, Victor Frankel's, um, uh, Man's Search for um, Meaning. Yeah. Man's Search for Meaning is the title. And, and I'm reading it and I'm like, I literally couldn't put it down. It's amazing. I, I've read it. I couldn't. Times. I, I couldn't put it down because it's just it's so captivating and and the way that he's sharing his experience and the way that it's it's so real, and and yeah. the the you know the psychological impact that his experience is having on him, you know, and that he uses this word curiosity, that somehow or other that although things are seeming literally everything has been taken away away from him he's in a concentration camp in, in world war ii and everything has been taken away from him mm. and he's he's basically he's been stripped not only of his physical possessions but he's been mm. stripped of of you know any comfort that could you know that could be awarded and, and just to see actually how he adopted and how he adjusted and, and so many others adopted and adjusted when they kept this this mood of curiosity and they kept this somehow or other, they kept this, this connection to meaning and what they were doing. And so I'm just a little bit into it, but just hearing you share, it's like, okay, if this is a person and so many people that have, that went through this experience and they were able to maintain curiosity and able to main, maintain meaning when their whole life has, has literally been stripped of them, you know, like, yeah. just like the most, like, uh, like unthinkable, unimaginable, like their life has they had plans for their life and, and they got completely stripped in the most brutal way that it just gives me hope, you know, for my life and for, so for, for all of us that we can, no matter what's taking place in our life, continue to find meaning and continue to stay open and curious mm -hmm. to the, the premise, you know, that we're talking about in spiritual life and, and, and this path of bhakti and universal spiritual mm -hmm. truth that, life is always happening for me life is always happening in some way to help mm. me to grow to help me to to go deeper and to find more meaning and more purpose and in that find more fulfillment no matter what's taking place externally to be able to find that in our, our relationship with god to be able to find that in and mm. you know the opportunity to serve no matter what's taking place you know seeing that opportunity and and um and acting as an instrument you know and whatever capacity we can even if it's even if it's you know it's a really dire situation and so i i just really um you know as you were sharing that you know that that curiosity like being able to maintain that in our life that quality of maintaining like exploration the quality of you know maintaining you know maintaining the quality of curiosity and exploration and discovery mm. in our life that okay, I, I, I'm in this adventure, I'm in this intense sort of, you know, um, school and training ground, and mm. it's happening to help me to love without ever ceasing. Mm. It's helping me to love without ever stopping, you know, and, yeah. and to increase that capacity to love more and more. That's what's, that's the premise, that's what's happening, and, and, and how can we maintain that discovery and that curiosity throughout it? And so that's, uh, you brought up those thoughts and those those questions also how to maintain that you know how do we how do we keep that 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 openness and that faith and that belief that 
there's a reason and there's meaning behind everything that's taking place in life. And so I can maintain curiosity because I know I'm on a path. I'm going to discover more and more about myself. I'm going to discover more truth. I'm going to discover more and more beauty, even no matter what's taking place in my life. And so how do we, um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's my question for you, DJ. And, and, and for, for all of us, how do we maintain that mood of curiosity and discovery? Yeah, it's, it's so, um, it's so, um, uh, Trisha out there in Pennsylvania said, I just gave that book to my son who was 17 and it's really helping him process the shift happening right now in his senior year of high school. I was glad you reminded it was on my shelf. It's a super, super powerful book. And there was two, there was, there was something that came to mind in that book. There's, 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 there's a moment. I mean, it's so visceral. It's so real. It's so strong, the imagery in the book. And he, he, the way he writes it is so, I mean, he's not, it's almost non-emotional, you know, but it's so packed with emotion. But he's like, he says in the beginning of the book, he's like, hey, I'm not going to just, I'm not here to tell you about the horrors of the Holocaust. Like, that's been done. I'm here to, it's like, it's almost like you use it as like a, a psychological um, experiment. Uh, some people are asking about the book. The book's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Our scribe, Bryn, is not here. Wednesday's is her day off. Well, it's not her day off. She's in a pranayam series with our good friend, Alexandra Moga. So she's in here to write it up on the chat board. But um, uh, just as FYI, if you're tuning in on Instagram, um, if you join us on Zoom, our chat board here is a little more active. And if you post a chat on Instagram, it just kind of disappears quite quickly from the screen. But if you join us in on Zoom, there's a more permanent chat board that will help you be more active in our chat. So if you want to participate with your chats, your questions, your comments, we really encourage you to join us on Zoom, which you can find at buckycenter.org slash online or email us at prayerrevolution at buckycenter.org to get on the Zoom link. But, um, but that aside, this book, Man's Search for Meaning, it's so, it's so, um, so he, he describes the experience of coming into a concentration camp. And he said being stripped of anything. He's literally stripped of everything to the point of being stripped naked. They strip you of, they strip you of everything. And he remembers, you know, they take all your jewelry, they take all this, they take everything, you, you own nothing. And so he had in his coat pocket the one thing that he kept with him. He was a psychologist. He was a, he was a doctor. He was a professor. And he had his manuscript for like his life's work. And this was back in, you know, whatever time frame it was. There was no hard drives. There was no Google. There was no Google Drive. Like he didn't have it saved somewhere. He just had this manuscript, a piece of paper saved in his coat pocket. And the guard pulled it out of his pocket and he said, what is this? And he said, my dear sir, it's my life's work. Please, like, it's of no value to you. It's of no value to you. It's no value. Just like, please just let me keep it. It's, it's my life's work. Take everything else, but just let me have this. And the guard just laughed at him and ripped it up in front of him and said, move along. You know, and it was in that moment he realized this, like everything I thought was important to me right now is being taken and stripped away. And, and it reminded me, there was also this, this, this story of, um, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, there's this, there's this great sage, Narada Muni, who pops up in a lot of times in the Vedic literatures. And um, he's walking through the forest. So it's, I'll, I'll keep it really short. He's walking through the forest and he sees these animals kind of half killed, writhing in pain. And um, he's like, what the hell is going on here? And he finds this hunter, his name's Mergari, in the forest. And he says, are you responsible for this? And he's like, yes, I'm a hunter. But sometimes I like to half kill animals and watch them writhe in pain. It's just something I learned growing up and it brings me great pleasure. 
And Narada Muni is like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you're suffering and torturing these animals unnecessarily. It's not even like you're killing them for food. It's like you're just enjoying watching them suffer. Like you're going to get negative reaction for this. And he has this whole dialogue about karma and reaction, et cetera. And the hunter decides, okay, I want to become your student. Please teach me spiritual ways. What must I do? What must I do? He said, I've been taught this from an early childhood. I'm wondering how can I be freed from this? And the Nard Muni says, if you listen to me, take my instructions. I'll liberate you. And he says, and before I begin instruction, you must break your bow. You must break your bow. And the, and the, and the hunter says, but this is my source of livelihood. This is my income. It's who I am. It's my identity. How can I do that? If I break my bow, how she says, if I break my bow, how shall I maintain myself? And Narada Muni says, being thus assured by the great sage Narada, the hunter broke his bow and followed the great sage. And then in the commentary, so powerful, I read the short commentary. He says, the source of our income is not actually the source of our maintenance. Every living being from the great Brahma down to the insignificant ant is being maintained by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The one supreme being, Krishna, maintains everyone. Our so-called source of income is our choice, our own choice only. If I wish to be a hunter, it will appear that hunting is the source of my maintenance. If I become a brahmana and completely depend on Krishna, I do not conduct the business, but nonetheless, my maintenance is supplied by Krishna. The hunter was disturbed about breaking his bow because he was worried about his income. Narada Muni assured the hunter because he knew that the hunter was not being maintained by the bow, but by Krishna. Being the agent of Krishna, Narada Muni knew very well that the hunter would not suffer by breaking the bow. There was no doubt that Krishna would supply him food. And so this idea that I think that I'm being maintained by the external things of my life without recognizing that actually everything's being arranged by a divine hand. And so I think that for me, I'm, it's kind of like those fear journals we were talking about the other day. Like, I'm afraid, like, the life that I have laid out for me, the life that I chose for myself, that's the life that's going to provide me all the things I think I want and need. And so the, it's not so much like the life that I had laid out that I'm afraid. It's the things that I felt like that life was going to bring me. Financial security, emotional validation, a sense of being and belonging in the world, like all of those mm -hmm. things whether it's gross, physical, or subtle. And so I think that it's first recognizing that it's not the specifics of my life that I'm attached to. It's the things that I, it's the things that I think that life, will, that, that, that life will bring me that I'm attached to. And then when I can start to recognize that, I can start to recognize that even amongst those things that I'm attached to, some of them aren't worth being attached to necessarily because on a deeper level, I think that ultimately it's going to bring me some happiness or fulfillment. And so, and that the deepest things that I'm really attached to aren't going to come from there. It's actually Krishna saying, hey, all Krishna's doing, all God is doing is saying, hey, I'm just letting you know, you're not going to find it over there. This life that you had planned out for yourself that you think is going to bring all that stuff for you, it's not. You're like dead set on, you got a map and it's not leading you where you think it's going to lead you. It's just not. And so, but the life that I have, it may look very, very different than the life that you have planned out for you. It may look very, very different, but it's going to lead you where you're going to go. So it's kind of like 
the, the, the life that I have planned, it looks like the way it should, but it doesn't lead me to where I want to go. The life that is waiting for me may not look at all like I thought it should or think it should, but it's leading me exactly where I need to go. And so it's like, which one do I want? Do I want the path that looks well, but doesn't lead me where I want to go? Or am I willing to surrender what the path should look like, but it's going to lead me exactly to the destination that I want to be at? So for me, it's that faith believing that, hey, the details I'm not going to figure out. And at the end of the day, I'm probably going to lead myself somewhere where I don't want to be anyways. So why not trust that, um, that there's a divine hand guiding me in my life? And that even if today it doesn't look like the way I think it should, that's probably a good thing. Because if I was crafting my own destiny, who knows where I'd lead myself? <laughs> I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like what, what I'm hearing you share is like, you know, to, to trade out our ideas for happiness and to in turn, like to recognize no matter what is taking place in my life, that there's a hand of the divine that's guiding us. It's, it's, it's a perfect plan for us, you know, if we have that consciousness. And that whatever ideas I have, ideas I get attached to, to be able to surrender those and trade that out for, for that, you know, that faith and that trust that yeah. there's a higher power guiding me. Yeah. Yeah. It's... it's it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like, um, you know, I, I remember, um, I remember, you know, I'm never, I'm not a big fan of roller coasters. I never was. My sister was, my dad is. And, um, you know, I remember there were times when I went to this one place, it was in San Jose, because my dad lived in, in California, it was like Great America or something like that, some theme park. And, um, and, uh, you know, there was a couple of times where I remember like myself, I was like so scared to get on this roller coaster and my dad and my sister really wanted me to do it. And I remember just like crying, like I don't want to go. And I remember there was one where it's like, I wasn't quite tall enough and I was so relieved. And I think there was another one where I actually went on it. It was like one of the ones where like you have the thing stripped down and you're sitting standing and it's going, it's, it's called like the, I think it was called the vortex. Gives you a sense of like what the ride is like. And it's like, I'm so scared of getting on that roller coaster and I'm crying and bawling my eyes out. And meanwhile, like my dad and my sister are like, nothing's going to happen to you. It's going to seem mm -hmm. scary, but like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. You know, and there's so many instances where like as little children, we're so scared of so many things. It's like, I don't, ah, you're going to be fine. Whether it's a roller coaster, it's like, I don't want to go to school today. I'm going to hate it. It's like, what, you're going to be fine. You know what I mean? And so it's, it's, I think that that's part of like the life that gets laid out for us. Like we can cry and we can moan and we can throw a tantrum thinking that, oh, I don't like it. But it's like, you're going to be fine, really, mm. at the end of the day, like. You're not going to fall off. You're not going to get crushed. You're not, you know what I mean? Maybe your ego is going to get crushed or the thing, you know what I mean? But the things that aren't essential may fade away, but that's because they were never meant to stay. And the things that are most important will never leave you and will get revealed to you over time. So it's like whether, you know, I mean, that's maybe like a roller coaster. I can't think of another, another example where it's like a kid just doesn't want to do something. It's like, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. It's like, it's like, I got you. You know what I mean? Like you're teaching a kid to swim and they don't want to go in the water. It's like, I'm scared, I'm scared, I'm scared. It's like, no, like you're not going to drown. I'm not going to let you drown. I'm not going to let you drown. Like you're okay, you know? Mm. 
mm-hmm. right? You can teach your yeah, kids to swim someday. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's already jumping around in the pool, he's a little cutie. And uh, I, what I was thinking about, a story came up, you just, I was just kind of reflecting on it. I was like, okay, like, come on, what, what are the reversals that we experience in life? Like, what are these, these big dreams, these big pictures we have for our life? And, and, and at, at, like, not that those are wrong, you know, but that we don't want to trade out our plan and our idea for a, a deep connection, a rapturous connection with God's will. Like, that's what we're trying. We're trying to find that connection and find that you know, alignment and, and synthesis that, okay, I may have plans, but I'm ready to let them go at any point. If it's clear that the direction of life is shifting me this way or that way, like I'm, I'm, I'm clear that, that, you know, my meaning isn't coming from just executing that plan, but actually feeling a connection to God's will throughout our life moment to moment. And, and I was, uh, I was thinking about it as a, as a teenager, I was, um, I had, I had the, the dream of, you know, playing college football. And I was, a, I was a big, I was big into sports as a, as a kid. And, and, uh, and in high school, I was being recruited by different colleges and I had, a, I, was, I was planning to go play college football. And the last game, my senior year in high school, I got hit like the, I never got seriously injured ever playing football or sports. And uh, in the last game, it was a meaningless game. We were destroying this team totally meaningless game and I somehow I got hit this really nasty dirty hit and it and it lacerated my liver and I was bleeding internally and I felt like I literally got I felt like I got struck by lightning or hit in the chest with a sledgehammer like I didn't know what happened I was on the ground couldn't breathe and you know blacked out for a sec and and I remember like the next game we played the number one team in the state of Texas and we we blew them out. The, the next game was a, the first playoff game and it was my senior year in high school and I wasn't there. And so many scouts were there from top universities. And I, I remember so many of my friends got big scholarships from that game. And, uh, and I wasn't there. And I, I remember like doped up. I was like on like Vicodin and drugs and like, you know, painkillers. And I remember being at that game and being like, I missed my ticket. Like I had some scholarships and some, you know, some, some smaller schools, but like this, these were like the big D one schools. I was like, I, I missed my ticket. I missed it. I missed my, you know, I missed the train. How could this be happening to me? You know? And, uh, and so, and, and I remember, you know, and I remember going to a couple of schools after like some, some smaller schools. And I was like, I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to high school again for another four years and smash my body and just party. And like, you know, that's not, no, like that's actually not what I'm interested in. And I could see it as a little bit of time went on kind of grieving the letting go of that vision for my life, going through that process of grieving it and kind of being able to let go of that vision that I could see that it was a, it was a hammer for sure. God's hand in those moments of my life was a hammer that was redirecting me. It was mm. sma- it was smashing certain ideas that I had a happiness and mm. certain ideas that I had a fulfillment and meaning and purpose in my life that, that they were literally crushed. And as a little bit of time went on, I was like, I was able to feel so grateful. I was able to feel so thankful. And now even more, I can't imagine if I played four more years of football, oh my God, my body would be completely destroyed. I probably wouldn't even be able to sit in this chair, you know? And, and that somehow or other, I was redirected. And I know that for so many of us out there, we've been through 
the heartbreaks. We've been through the financial reversals. We've mm-hmm. been through, you know, we thought something was our purpose and we thought it was what we were supposed to do. And all of a sudden, like it's been, the rug's been pulled out from under us or the life that we thought we were supposed to live. And we're sitting here like, is this it? Like, is this it? I, I'm here right now. Like, and I, and did I ever get there? Like, no, like, I feel like my life's a failure in some Wherever we're at in our life, wherever is going on, whatever is taking place, God's hand has been there all along to bring us yeah. right where we are in this moment, yeah. right in this moment, right now. Mm. And, that, and that that the invigoration and that excitement and that joy and that passion for life is in saying, yes, right now I am aligned with God's will. Mm. Right now I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I know there's meaning. I know there's purpose and I mean, I want to experience that in rapture more and more in my relationship with the higher power, trusting I'm in this river of grace, having faith that it's moving me exactly where I need to be. And to the degree that I can have that consciousness to the degree that I can, I can be in a rapture and that consciousness of connection with the higher power that I'm going to experience right now, starting to awaken and unfold as an adventure. I'm going to experience it right now that it is an adventure that is going to unfold, that is going to break yeah. through. And it's not in those, it's not somewhere else. Or we didn't miss the train in the past. It's right now. We're right where we're supposed to be. Yeah. Man, as you told the story, I, was, I mean, I've heard that before, but as you told today, it was like painful. I was like, I felt, I was feeling, I was like, oh my God, like the pain of sitting on the sidelines in that big game and missing, it just felt so real. And I was like, oh my God, I can't imagine. And then at the same time, I was like, I'm so glad you didn't become a football player. Because I got we need, saved, man. I got, got saved. saved. We, we need you here. I'm so glad you didn't go that way. We would miss you. Now, Vera, he was a quarterback, by the way. Vera was a quarterback. And uh, so glad that you're our quarterback now, calling the plays and calling the huddles and wouldn't want it any other way. It's, it's, so, it's so real and powerful. It's such a real story. And it, it, it reminded me, and, and we're going to wrap up in a second, but it reminded me also, I had another, a friend last year, I, I, I led a Spain retreat, a friend that I met on that retreat. Um, he was a hockey player and he was a goal, he was a goalie and he kind of came from a neighborhood, like wasn't, it kind of came from a, a, a family, a small town, didn't within a, it, hockey became the only thing in his life that was meaningful. And he moved to Canada and he was getting recruited and he was going to go to the NHL. You know, he was going to go, like he was going to be playing the NHL as a hockey player. And at some point, like he popped his knee and like, he totally busted his knee in a way that like prevented it from ever playing. And what it brought up for him, it wasn't just the sense of like, okay, what's God, because it wasn't like, okay, what's God's will for my life? It was like, I don't have an identity anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't even know who I am mm-hmm. if I'm not playing hockey, mm-hmm. if I'm not a hockey player, if I'm not pursuing that in my life. And so I think that sometimes it's like, it's, it's, it's such a rock, it's such a shake, but it's such a gift mm-hmm. when we ask, oh, it's like, Chris is saying, that's who you think you are? You think you're a high school quarterback, fo- football quarterback that's going to go on to play big college? You think you're an NHL hockey player? You think you're a rich businessman? You think you're, you're a successful businesswoman? You think you're a life coach? You think you're, a, you're, 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 you're a, f- a mother or a father or a sister or a brother? You think you're a good citizen? You think, you think you, that's who you think you are? Like, no. Don't get caught up in that identity. And sometimes that identity gets stripped away because it forces us in a deep level to ask, who am I really? And the Bhagavad Gita says that that which is impermanent, like we know what's material and spiritual, that which is constantly changing and impermanent, you know, it's material, it's going to go away. 
but that which mm -hmm. is eternal is actually ours to claim. And so it's kind of like, what is my eternal identity? Who am I really? And mm -hmm. life is simply meant to bring me back to realizing that, you mm -hmm. know? And so when things get taken away from us, sometimes it's like, oh, this is just, it's, sometimes it's a gentle reminder. Sometimes it's like a shot in the head. Sometimes it's a lacerated liver. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes it's a lacerated liver that reminds us, oh, this isn't who you are. This isn't who I am. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes mm -hmm. this goes all the way to Viktor Frankl in the Holocaust, Man's mm -hmm. Search for Meaning. You know, he gave it in the most extreme of examples. Or it's Arjuna on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, anyways, I love you so much, Vera. I'm so, so we should have a podcast that's just called "Crazy Stories from Vera's Life." I think that would, <laughs> I think that we could fill it up. I think we could fill up, a, we can fill up an episode with that, and then, or maybe a whole series. <laughs> but uh, I love you so much. I'm so so glad you're here. I am so impressed and um, grateful and inspired by the person and the man that you've become in your life, it inspires me on a regular basis. I tell my wife this all the time that when I'm thinking of whether stuff or work or service that I, I think of lessons I've learned from your example and things that I've, the ways I've seen you respond to situations in life that like I, I carry it with me in a lot of ways and you're an example to me and many people and I, I love you and I'm super grateful and appreciative to your, your humility as well as your, yeah, your, your surrender to God's will in your own life is super, super exemplary. And I think that it's something that a lot of people learn from and take inspiration from uh, myself, perhaps more than anyone. I'm your, I'm your, I'm your number one fan, Vera. I'm your, I'm your student. I am just following, <laughs> following in your footsteps. Though. And so and, thank you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And just wanting to say just a, a prayer just briefly for uh, Rasika's grandma for, mm. you know, that was i just noticed of course doyle you're you know you're aware of it but just my wife, uh Rasik, is my wife yeah yeah and just seeing different uh texts coming in on our, our staff board that mm. 94 year old grandmother um diagnosed with coronavirus and having having a real difficulty yeah. to um to get in get in enough life air to sustain her her body and so mm. just a, a prayer from all of us that um, whatever is her destiny, that she's feeling a closeness with her higher power and that she is, um, she's trusting, she's trusting that um, whatever is taking place is, is happening in order to bring her home, in order to bring her closer mm -hmm. to God. And, and uh, she's feeling that. Let's pray that she feels that comfort in her heart and, and that trust and that faith in her heart and, and that peace in her mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that, if um if these are her last breaths of this life that she she feels uh completely fulfilled in the way she's lived her life and and if she's to continue that she is in the same way with that fulfillment with that grace in her heart that she continues in her life and let's uh let's pray for her soul right now that she's she is um she's feeling that connection with her higher power just a moment of, of prayer for her Thank you guys so much. Thank you all so much. The, the prayer coming to my mind was, may you be freed, may you be freed, may you be freed. Mm -hmm. And I think that, pray that for all of us. And thank you for being so thoughtful, Vera. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Uh, we encourage you all to check out bhaktisandra.org slash online or just bhaktisandra.org website to check all the offerings that we have going on. 
Um, if you want to know more or hear more, or learn more, or find our other podcasts that are available, please check us out on BuckyCenter.org. Write to us at prayerrevolution at BuckyCenter.org if you'd like to keep in touch. And join us on Zoom. If you're on Instagram, we'd love to have you switch over to Zoom because we have a more stable chat board there. So a lot of times the questions or comments come in on Instagram and then they disappear quite quickly. But if you comment on, 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 on the chat board on Zoom, uh, we're able to see more of your questions and answer them and, and interact. And so, um, and so thank you guys all so much. We love you guys. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow. We have uh, just a quick one. If you guys want to join us in 20 minutes, Dan and I will be having a conversation on uh, spirituality and relationships. And so if you guys are up for it, then we'd love to see you there. If you want more Vera and you want more Vera and, you, and, and, and his better half, uh, Diana, join. In, in, in every, it's every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern time on Instagram Live. So uh, beautiful. Sundari Gopi, so good to see you. Glad you're here. And Ananda, Anandini Manjuri from California. So many beautiful people showing up. Love you guys. See you tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Julie. Bye, AJ, Trisha, Jitesh. Thanks for being here, Jan. Love you guys. Take care.